Hello there, and welcome to the 24 Gauge Podcast. We are your hosts, Dave and Julia Grant. A couple of nurses who are also a couple. We are Canadian RNs with 25 years of shared acute care experience who have built professional careers and a life together. Join us each episode as we have conversations about the real, the introspective, the deep, and the dorky of living life as a nurse. It's such a serene moment to start this <laughs> podcast, which is nothing close to serene. <laughs> it's like we're watching or listening to uh, This American Life or something. I guess so. Something more serious. So, yeah. <laughs> and I must say, our surroundings, not serene right now. I spent like all morning cleaning up in here, 20 toddler seconds in the living room, and it's like an explosion. 20 toddler seconds. Yes. Those are very different than real seconds. They are, because they last way longer than 20 <laughs> seconds, but so much happens in that. <laughs> short period of time <laughs> all right well hello and welcome hi as we've already said hello there with my little obi-wan kenobi opener to every episode so let's start with what we're drinking today mm, what are we drinking because you made this well, today it, it tastes like chocolate milk it does taste like chocolate milk What's but it's, in it? it's kalua espresso from dan or from phil and sebastian's in <laughs> oh, <clears throat> that's phil and sebastian's in calgary Alberta. if i mumbled that <laughs> Did Not. and then you mumbled it again. Uh, <laughs> Just keep going. Okay. No, it's one more Kahlua time. and Espresso. And Kahlua and Espresso from Phil and Sebastian's in Calgary, Alberta. Not sponsored, but should be. And eggnog and over eggnog. ice. It's awesome. It's, it does taste like chocolate milk. Mm -hmm. It's a nice little... Yeah, it's a nice little treat there, a little holiday treat. Yeah. We're still reveling in the hallway holidays here, not the hallways. <laughs> 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 so what are we talking about today? Today we are going to talk about nursing habits and why you should have them and some of the ones that have served us well. It's the new year or at least the new year is approaching and you know even if you're not a person who sets new year's resolutions which I'm not I I kind of stepped away from those. I'm big on setting goals and and being determined with how I spend my time and what I'm looking to do or improve in my life, but I don't really like new year's resolutions, but I still think it's a good time in life to just review how you do things and make changes. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. In, mm -hmm. Instead of like, okay, on January 1st, I'm going to start working out for the first time ever. Like, be like, let's just actually review what I've done in the last year and be cognizant of what could change for the better. I think winter is a good season for reflection. I think it's already And for sitting around in, in cardigans and eating soup. Yes, <laughs> and that too. We are having <laughs> particularly cold weather here right now, though. Oh, shoot. I just committed the cardinal sin of talking about cold weather on socials because somebody's always going to complain that, that theirs is worse that, yeah it's is a, thing. a thing never post about how cold it is because somebody else will chime in that really? theirs is worse oh yeah what about like how hot it is it's always probably the same else. it's probably the so same so you're thing. saying on socials just don't talk about just weather. don't talk about weather <laughs> somebody will always be like it's way worse here but what if my social account is a weather account well then you can talk all about weather <laughs> people are still going to complain to you that it's worse where they are right now it's like minus 50 in calgary with the wind chill like oof yeah i don't miss those days at all <laughs> no i did not grow up in that type of weather in canada would you so. say that now is the cold like with climate change <clears throat> that'll be a whole other but we only have like four listeners so it's fine yeah. we don't no we know everybody with us hopefully yeah so anyways with climate change do you think that it's been it's like this is the coldest winters recently that you've had growing up like was it much more milder growing up generally like in my memory generally yes like we would have some cold snaps you know like it would get cold enough that you know fish trap creek and mill lake pond and whatever all else would freeze over and people would go play hockey on them in my hometown but why are you smiling at me like that? <laughs> I just picture people triangulating and be like, okay, to Google Maps. Oh, that's right. <laughs> figure out where we are. Shoot. <laughs> we should edit that out. Maybe I'll try to figure out how to bleep it. I don't know. Otherwise, it'll just get left in. It's oh, fine. Shoot. Can we restart this episode? No. no. Okay. We are so getting off track. It's cold outside. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Nursing habits. Nursing, Nursing habits. habits is a habit. Well, as going off on tangents yeah <laughs> is a habit. Is a habit. <laughs> okay here's one for you i got okay. a, i got a okay. definition for you julia so a came habit prepared is again a long she sent me notes but i didn't read them no that's good because a habit is a long loose garment worn by a member of a religious <laughs> congregation <laughs> hey at least he didn't eye roll at me this time he actually laughed <laughs> wah, wah. which is not what we're talking about when we talk about nursing habits because we're not nuns what anymore. if you're a nursing nun 
If you're a nursing nun, then I'm sure you also wear a habit. And well, then it would habits. be that would be a nursing habit. <laughs> no, a habit is a settled or regular nursing tendency. Nursing nuns are fantastic, by the way. Or pre- what did that mean? <laughs> I just don't want to make people think we're being offensive to nursing nuns. Okay. We appreciate nurses of all sorts and backgrounds. Yes. Yes. Okay, so a habit is okay. a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. And why is this important to talk about in our nursing care? Because they estimate that in general in life, up to 40% of what you do, I was just hearing this on another podcast this past week, up to 40% of what you do on a day-to-day basis, including your professional life, is just autopilot. Like yeah. it's, it's habitually programmed in and you're not thinking about it, which is not necessarily a bad thing because we've talked about before, I think we even talked about in our last episode, how many decisions nurses make in a day. Mm-hmm. And I was reading some research this week that talked about you know nurses in critical care um, and you know developing a framework for how critical care nurses make decisions. But one side piece that they came up with this, was this concept that nurses in critical care made decisions once every 30 seconds. I think that's way underestimating the amount of d- decisions go into a nursing day. But even if that were the case, even if it was only every 30 seconds you made a decision, the math. Like that's, that's over 1,400 decisions that you make in a nursing day. That is a lot of... And you think that's low. I think that's low. Yeah, that feels low. That feels... Like maybe on average it's that, but sometimes you might make like three in like three seconds. You might make 30 in a minute. And who knows? Like, and when you're, when you're researching that, how... How do you possibly track that? how, How do you empirically figure that out? Because this, especially if you're talking to a senior nurse, mm-hmm. how many other decisions are actually instincts that they don't even realize they're making? Exactly. So the point here being is that decision making in a nursing day consumes a lot of computing power in your brain. So if up to 40% of that goes on to autopilot, well, mm-hmm. your brain is saved for those moments where you really have to be tuned in and you are making like 30, 30 decisions in a minute. Um, so being habitual in your practice is not a bad thing. You just have to make sure that the habits that you have really serve you. And I think that's true for all of life, but there's specific applications for that, I think in nursing. And that only comes with time being in the profession. I think I'm currently reading atomic habits by James Clear. If anyone else has read that book, I think it's a really, I think it's a really great, I don't know. It's a tool to throw in your tool belt and a way of thinking to help improve it's you know it's uh he's very much about the you know show up to be one percent better every day Mm -hmm. which i think is a very realistic and reasonable way to improve your life improve your nursing practice um one of the one of the quotes that i read this week that really stuck with me is every action you take is a vote for the person you wish to become and your actions matter more than your intentions which is why it's important to create good habits because you're putting stuff into action you're Mm -hmm. not just thinking or saying this is what you're going to do or be as a nurse in your patient care in your day, you're actually doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you should be very proactive about the habits that you build as a nurse because they they will serve you well in those times, especially of emergency when you have too many other things going on. The things that are instinctual save your brain power for those you know, more critical moments yep. in your day. So, well, and I, I think that's the, <clears throat> you can see that difference between a new grad nurse and a nurse who's been on the floor for a while is that the new grad nurse by the end of what uh experienced nurse would call a fairly easy day is just burnt out or just maybe not burnt out but they're just done like they're maxed they're yeah you can see their brains like fried just too many decision making and when you can switch that purposeful decision making to instinctual decision making and like you said give your time your brain free time to deal with other stuff and free computing space um, your day does get easier, but that's what they, it, they say it takes about two years. Like when I graduated, it was the first six months is super hard. Not necessarily that, um, well, it's just, it's just a hard job to begin with, <clears throat> but the first six months is hard because you're so unsure of yourself. There's a lack of confidence. You've lost any safety nets that you would normally have had with school. Um, and now you're, you, now you're responsible for making those 1400 decisions by yourself. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be nurses around to help you, but you still have to decide what to do. Whereas the next six months to eight months, it gets easier because you've shifted some of those, um, purposeful decision making moments though and you shifted them into habits which are becoming instinctual mm-hmm. and then around sometime around year two they say that suddenly 
you feel like, oh, I got this. And you, you stop worrying about work and it becomes easier because you've really shifted those habits over. Now in the pandemic, when I talked to new grads in the pandemic, they say that happens so much faster because they're forced to make so many more decisions and over and over and over again, mm -hmm. uh, just bigger patient loads and whatnot. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know if I got off track with that. But. No, no, no. I think, um, I don't know if anyone else got Todd Benner's model in nursing school talking about how you progress through to proficiency as mm -hmm. a professional. But that's similar to the timeline that she describes from her research too. Now, I don't know if that will have changed during the pandemic, but that idea that you're in a novice and an advanced beginner for the first the first maybe two years of your career until you get to a place of competency at about that two-year mark. But that first six months, really exhausting. So if we've got mm -hmm. any new grads listening, this is the key time to build those good habits in as much effort as it might feel like now. The payout is huge throughout your career. Mm -hmm. It really is. And, and not just in like your ability to do your job well, but your ability to get through your day and not feel so exhausted at the end of it, mm -hmm. your ability to respond better in times of crises or, you know, emergent, if not emergency situations on the floor. And just, I think your overall satisfaction with how you are as a professional yep. gets better, the stronger habits you put the effort into build. And it does take effort, mm -hmm. but you know, they say what, at least six weeks of consistency mm -hmm. to build into a habit. Well, and that's why I like, I tell my students when I have them, cause a lot of people, and I mean, to each your own, everybody, you know, you do like the way you want, but nursing in particular is a difficult field to become comfortable with. And I always tell my students, don't take the summer off that you used to for the last 20 years of your life. You've had summers off with school and stuff. Don't do that. Don't go traveling now that you're finally done your big school and stuff. Work for six months and get over that hump. Work as much as you can. Try to get into a line. As much as you can, up to full time. Don't burn yourself out. Yeah, no, that's a, that's <laughs> a very fair distinction. Yeah. Work as much as you can. Try to get into a line, even like a temp line, just so you have that consistency. Mm -hmm. And get over that first six to eight months of just awkward, scary newness that is being a brand new nurse mm -hmm. that'll really help you cement some of those habits, those practices. So then when you do take time off, well-deserved time off, mm -hmm. you're not coming back with this even bigger deficit or this bigger bubble to get over. Um, yeah, it's, it, you really want to cement those habits that you learned in school, started to formalize in your preceptorship. You really want to cement those in the first six months. And by habits um, here, I also want to clarify, I'm not just talking about clinical skills. Clinical skills aren't really a habit. That's something different. That is something that you learn and you get better at, with rep repetition mm -hmm. and don't have to like think about as much as you do it more and more. But I mean, you know, when we're talking about habits, it's the way you go about each day, no matter what that day holds for yeah. you. So we're going to delve into a few of the nursing habits that have served us well. Um, and ways we went about incorporating those into our practice. And I'm going to start with one that we've already harped on on many different episodes already. All three of them, actually, I think. That's many. <laughs> that's, that's, many. That's, I would that's, think that would technically that's many. be many. That's many. It's not a couple. No, exactly. If you ask our son right now how many anything is, he doesn't count. He just, he just says, many. many. <laughs> how many? Many. All right. So we have said this so many times already take your breaks yeah. and I really feel like this is a habitual thing that you need to build into your mindset and into your day that you if, get in the habit of regularly taking breaks if you don't start at the beginning of your career you will probably never actually take your breaks no exactly and this is huge we talked about this last time that you need that chance for your brain to reset you need to refuel your body pure and simple you need hydration you need energy to keep going about your day a 12-hour shift in particular is a marathon um and if you just keep at it and never give yourself those breaks throughout the day you do really set yourself up for burnout mm -hmm. um so that is a like that is a key one. I think that was one of the first things you really harped on me as a yeah. student is because I would just keep. I going think it is. I, I think it's the, one it. of the first things I tell my students. Yeah, because students are just taught to just be on the floor and do all the things and make sure <clears throat> everything is done. <clears throat> and as a student, you're not supposed to delegate or if something's 
timed you're not supposed to like shift it a little bit to work with your break and stuff so mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard for students to understand the idea of breaks but yeah i think that's the first thing i taught you i think it's one of the first things i teach all my students and as much as i get teased at work for how hard i am on my students mm-hmm. i am religious about making sure my students know to take their breaks um throughout the day mm-hmm. and this isn't like and i want to emphasize as well because i think there's still this underlying current in nursing that you're always supposed to be selfless and taking your breaks is a selfish thing throughout your day or something. Like, not that that's a spoken thing, no. but that's still part of the mentality it's of bit nursing. Of, it's a bit of an old school thinking that still persists. It still persists. And you know what? Uh, I know for me personally, I had to make that shift in my brain and be like, this isn't this isn't just a selfish thing. I'm just doing it for me. I'm entitled and I'm mm. taking my break. Because that's also a thing that you're afraid of as a new grad. I think you, you're afraid of appearing entitled knowing that you have to work your way into a workplace right? or or lazy or lazy right and it's not about any of those things it's not about being entitled it's not about being lazy it is about purposefully refreshing yourself so that Mm -hmm. you can be the best possible nurse you can for your patients Mm -hmm. and also the best team member because we don't nurse in a vacuum generally you are especially in a hospital you're working with other people um and so you're responsible to your patients and you're responsible to your team too Mm -hmm. if you don't take your breaks then you don't like you you are just setting yourself up for the day being way harder than it needs to be and i remember one of my i don't know who would always say this phrase a relative or something like that i'm sure it came from a sermon i heard way back in the day um but this story of two lumberjacks who were out there in a you know basically competing against each other for how much wood they could cut down and chop down in a day and this one guy was just having her at her like he would just keep going solid through throughout the day and he noticed the guy on the other side of the field would keep sitting down and stopping for periods of time he's like what is this lazy motherfucker doing over there (laughs) and i'm the one who's trying to keep us pg here holy crap anyways what's this lazy guy doing on the far end of the field and the day the guy who took the breaks had more wood chopped because every time he sat down he sharpened the axe and so that's an analogy i work with my students i'm like you gotta take your breaks sharpen the axe and get back at her. Is that like a Mennonite version of the turtle on the hair sort of Maybe. Speak? No, I, it's not about slow and steady, though. It's about, like, purposefully recharging. So. Yeah, okay, fair. All right, so that's why you should take your breaks and why you should make that a habit. But how do you get in the habit of taking your breaks? Well, first of all, you be like Dave and you be intentional and almost religious about it. <laughs> yeah, like, if, if I'm, if I'm, there's there's one other person on our floor who likes to take first breaks. So you you go... You go in your breaks, uh, usually they're prescribed times. Uh, we start, you know. It doesn't really matter what the times are, but anyways, we stagger them with each other so that there's always people on the floor. Yeah, so usually uh, I'm the only person on the on the floor that likes to go on first break, so I'll go on first break. Um, <clears throat> and it works for me. Uh, actually, we were having this discussion at work the other day about how why it seems like when... I'm working, I can get all my breaks in and all my stuff done and not be scrambling at the end of the day. Yep. And honestly, I think it's because I take first breaks. First breaks is between, you know, um, medication times. It's usually before appointments or after appointments. It's, it's usually first break is timed on the floor. So it's kind of in between that first busy time of starting the shift and when everything else starts up for the day. Mm-hmm. And it kind of seems to fall into that. So I'm not like, oh, I want to take my break at 10, but I have like two patients going for appointments and I have to give all these meds. And and I just feel like maybe like that's a thing like that we kind of were talking about the other day at work is just because I'm intentional going first, it seems to help better with my day. Mm -hmm. And again, I think you have to find what, you know, I mean, it might just be a prescribed time that you have to take things and you have to build your day around that, Mm -hmm. or it might be flexible based on where your team's at. It depends on what kind of your unit culture is in your workplace. Um, But I think a big thing that you need to do to get in the habit of taking your break is realize that you can't have everything done before you go on your break. You need to have your patient team in a place where everybody is safe and no one's going to have, you're not walking away from anyone in like urgent pressing need that you're going to saddle your teammates with that. But you have to know that you can't do absolutely everything before Mm -hmm. your break. Um, But you need to take your break. Yeah. And if, I I think one of the big things too, that the reason people don't form the habit of breaks is they're like, well, I still have like 
this one or two things that would happen during my break Mm -hmm. if I left. So I'm going to wait till after that, but there's always going to be one or two things that have to happen. They're always, we're we're an acute care center. There's always something that has to happen. Yep. So using that as an excuse isn't right, but that's when you, that's why you need to learn to either be like, it can wait for a half hour Mm -hmm. or I can delegate it. Now you're not, you don't want to delegate a list. Mm -hmm. Of course. I mean, it's, these are your patients. It's your job. It's your workload. Yeah. Right. But if it's just like, if during your break, one person needs to get assisted to a stretcher to go for a test, delegate that and go on your break. Don't miss your break because you have to help the one person get to a stretcher. Yeah. Because then either, again, it depends on when your unit culture, either you're missing your break or if you're the kind of unit where like everybody gets their breaks in before everyone else starts their next round of break and it's not on a set time, then the rest of your team is waiting for you to go on break so that they can go on break too. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it's something that's going to happen in the next two minutes, stay and do that. If it's going to be more than five minutes, delegate and yeah. go for your break. Okay. So I feel like I could talk an entire podcast about breaks. So because maybe, maybe we should make that I'm, another podcast. Because I'm so, I'm so adamant about how important breaks are yes and nurses generally are really adamant about they're the thing that they can skip to make sure the rest of the job is done during the day yeah anyway so the habit is get in the habit of taking your breaks and being okay with leaving some things undone that you will come back and pick up after. Yeah. And sometimes that means saying no to people to be like, no, I need to take my break. That's okay. So can we say that, can we put that as the next habit then to talk about? Let's can we segue in saying no? Because it it is an important habit to get into, especially I I don't, maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm really loosely using the the idea of a habit here, Mm -hmm. but nurses don't say no. Mm Mm-hmm. And nurses not saying no is actually what leads to a lot of bottlenecks in your day. And you learn, you need to learn to say no as a habit, especially when you're busy. Your patients a lot of times are sitting in their beds in their rooms by themselves for days on end, for hours on end. They get bored. There's nothing to do, mm-hmm. right? And so when you come into the room, sometimes you're the only person that they'll have seen for, you know, for the day, for a couple of hours. They're bored. They want to talk to you. Nurses are tend to be social because we interact with, you know, other people. Humans all the time. <laughs> and so instead of saying, I really want to talk to you, I understand that you're bored, but I'm going to have to say, no, I'm going to have to stop this because I have four or five other people to go see. I'll come back and talk to you later. Mm-hmm. That's a habit that I don't think enough nurses have because we don't want to feel rude or we don't want to cut people off. But then what you're doing is, you're making everybody else wait. Either you're stuck in a room for a long time and your other patients are ringing mm-hmm. and your other colleagues are having to pick up the bell and interrupt their own workflow mm-hmm. or your patients are, other patients are in pain or need to be seen, blah, blah, blah. And they're waiting for their needs too. I think it's really important to, that we learn, especially when the time is busy, to say no mm-hmm. and interrupt and be like, I, I really want to talk to you. I can come back. I'm just busy with these other people. And when you frame it like that, I've never had anybody get mad at me that I'm leaving the room. Mm -hmm. They understand when you frame it like that, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to take up your time. Yeah. Right? I've never had anybody been ungrateful that I didn't want to talk to them, but I make sure that I say, no, I set those hard limits. Maybe that's more the the habit I'm talking about is is setting the firm boundaries with my patients Mm -hmm. um, so that I can meet everybody's needs. Yeah, because that's the thing. As a nurse, you're you're balancing the needs of a team of however many patients you've been assigned, and they're like all of those people are equally important as your patients. But you have to prioritize their needs, you know, between you know amongst all of them, mm-hmm. and that's on you. That's your that's your professional responsibility. That's your day that you're responsible for organizing. And there's, I, I that's something you taught me very early on. I think as a student is that ability to say like okay. When I'm doing 10 o'clock meds for everybody and one patient wants to capitalize my time to tell them something about their grandkids or like this or that or talk about this, to be able to say, I'm so sorry, I don't want to like, I'm, I'm not cutting you off to be rude. I don't, this, it's not that this isn't important, but I do have a few other responsibilities that are very pressing right now. I do need to attend to for other patients. My day usually gets lighter around this time. Can I come back? Yeah. You know, that sort of idea. Get in that habit of like, if you're going to make that promise or like make, you know, don't just blow people off. Mm-hmm. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> you know, they'll, come rem- back. They'll, they'll remember. They'll it. remember and they'll, they'll call you back yeah. or they'll just be like, you're a jerk. 
which would be valid in that case. So don't don't be a jerk about it. But I think it's very reasonable to sometimes have to say, I'm so sorry, I am balancing, you know, caring for all these other people as well. And I do have other responsibilities I have to do right now. I will come back and talk to you about yeah. this. I think that is a that's a good one to put mm-hmm. into practice. Um, okay, here's another one that kind of pertains to um, the habit of taking your breaks, if you don't mind me moving on, because this is another one. Back the, the kind of our breaks, back, okay. forward, moving along, I don't know. In my practice, it all revolves around my breaks. <laughs> <laughs> but here's another thing you really, I've seen you encourage with a lot of students, and you definitely had to teach me when I was first learning, is make sure you go home on time. Yeah. That's a big one. Um, and get in the, like, if you start kind of being okay with staying an extra few minutes to this or that or whatever on a regular basis, that will become your habit and you will always be staying late. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if you want to look at it from a pure financial standpoint, you're giving your employer that extra time every single day that adds up to thousands over your career. But more importantly, I'm going to, I'm going to put a bookmark on that for just a second bookmark. Okay. Come back to me. Okay. More importantly, you're just you're giving up your time and that is the least renewable, most precious resource that you have for your own day. And that, again, is another recipe for burnout. If you're just constantly staying extra at work Mm -hmm. to to do I don't know what, whether it's like, you know, you stay there to chat with people. Well, if you are staying late to chat with people, you're preventing them from starting their shift on time, you know? And when I'm not saying don't be social. I'm just saying be cognizant of the clock. And if you're staying to chart late every single day, you're just, you're wasting your own time doing something that should happen during your day. Go home at the end of the day. Go home on time. Yeah. Value yourself and your own mental health and your ability to keep doing this job for a long career by going home on time. Yeah, you don't want to create the habit that your shift actually is a 12 and a half hour shift versus a 12 yeah. hour shift. And you know, the more that you work in healthcare, I'm sure you will come across people who are like this. And you know, I, th- I think the top two things that I notice about them is A, they either prevent the next shift from really getting going and rolling because they're still there doing something. It's just a bit of a distraction or, or mm-hmm. whatever. But more importantly, like they just they just seem to be the type of people that get burnt out more quickly. Yep. And that's just, you don't want to see that happen to your colleagues, yep. right? Yeah. They seem frazzled by the end of the day every day. Yeah. And, you know, nobody wants nobody wants to be frazzled in life. No. If you're, if you're, if you're staying... Especially like it's a bit, it's kind of understandable in the first couple of months of your nursing while you're mm-hmm. still trying to figure out your routine and stuff. But if you're in, if you've been working for a couple of years and you're still habitually staying till seven thirty, seven forty-five, eight o'clock, when you have a shift that to, ends to, at seven to chart, yeah, you need to reassess how you do your day. Yeah, and I think one of the ways that you taught me how to go about trying to achieve this is try and have everything done half an hour before your shift mm-hmm. ends. Don't be afraid to sit at the desk. Yep. You know, if you have everything done, your patients are all cared for, your charting is all done, you, you're you ready for your handover, all those things for the last half hour, you're not really doing much of anything. Yep. You know, then if stuff poop, hits, poop hits the fan, poop hits the fan, you're not, you know, then you can, you can manage that and still hopefully get out on time. Yep. Right. Yep. And you're not like scrambling to finish all these other things that you still haven't done. Plus manage this other situation. Yeah. Like my habit for that, which I try to teach my students is you have your six o'clock meds when mm-hmm. you're six o'clock, do your six o'clock meds, you empty your Foley's, check your pumps, do the volumes, all that all kind of stuff that, and that happens. And dumps. But by 6.30, it should be charted or being just about finished charted. And then that's it. You shouldn't be like, oh, I still have these five tasks that I didn't do during the day that I still need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, is it realistic that you can get those five tasks done? In the half hour. Or is it left. like pick one, yep. do it well, chart it, be ready for a shift change and pass along the work. We're open 24-7 for a reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe your day was just a really long day. Yeah. And that means that, yeah, that night shift or the next shift might have a few th- extra things to do. That's what we, we all do that. That's what we get paid for. And that's just the nature of working in a acute care setting. Things happen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you need to give your free time, your energy, your mental capacity 
to these. You're, you've done your job. You've done your job well. Now it's time to go home and relax. Yep. And know that the shift always ends and there's always someone there to take over after you. That's hope, the thing. Hope, hope, Hopefully. Hope. <laughs> I the mean, the state of... The pandemic has changed that a little the bit. The pandemic has changed that with staffing and healthcare these days. But, you know, that idea that, especially as an, a student, they teach you to get everything done so that you're not just like passing things off, which I think is a good... Like, don't be lazy and just yeah. decide not to do something and make someone else do it because you were lazy. But be realistic about what you can do in a day. And if you are handing over some tasks that you just couldn't do well within the time that you had, that's okay sometimes. And like, 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 a, like a lot of times a doctor will show up because they are just as busy as everybody else these mm -hmm. days. They'll show up at seven o'clock and they'll write a whole bunch of orders. Not really your job. Your your job if is your ending in a few minutes. It's not over. your job to go and, and do them. Like if you have some time and nobody else is there yet and you start processing them, like those orders and entering them and, and stuff, that's fine. But 7.15 comes, it's, it's time to go. It's not time to go and, you know, do the dressing the doctor ordered or hang the IV that the doctor ordered and this and that and the other thing. It's time to pass that information on to your team member and then go home. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that helps building that habit of going home on time is try to stack the majority of your tasks within the first eight hours of your shift. Yeah. You know, like, again, if if you were at a school that did clinicals that maybe were only eight hours long in your earlier years of school, you know, that's what they force you to do. And then when you get into actual nursing, you realize, oh, I have 12 hours to get everything done. But mm -hmm. in so much as you can, every day will be different. If you have a known number of tasks and things that need to be done for a patient, they have a dressing change or wound care, you need to do this teaching for something. You have to, you know, just different stuff that has to happen in your nursing day. As much as possible, try and get that in within that first eight hours. And then your last four hours, you can make sure that you're taking, you know, you have that kind of buffer space. Mm -hmm. If you have things that took longer than need be or something new came up through the day, there's a new order from a doctor to do this, that or something yeah. for someone. If those things came up during your day, you have a little bit of breathing room at the end of your day and time to play with and still, you know, being able to go home on time. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, I want to go to my bookmark. The oh, yeah. Bing, Ding. The, the bookmark that I remembered. Okay. So um, you have a, like we have a 15 minute coffee break in the afternoon. Yep. Uh, I can't quite remember the numbers that I, I came up with. So I'm going to like ballpark it, but it, it was quite significant because I was, I was talking to a nurse about this one time. If you've, if you're a nurse for 30 years and you never take your, that 15 minute afternoon coffee break, which a lot of nurses don't. Mm-hmm. They'll take their three or their four breaks. They won't take that 15-minute one. Um, over the course of a 30-year career, a 15-minute break that you've that you've not taken is worth, it's between thirty dollars and $50,000 out of your pocket of free work that you've given your employer. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's very significant in the end. So it's not like it hits your pocketbook. It hits your, your mental capacity. It's important to take even a 15-minute break. Yep. yep. I'm just crunching some numbers right now. A 15-minute break, if you gave up a 15-minute break every shift, mm -hmm. if you work a 12-hour shift rotation like we do, mm -hmm. you'd be giving up 45 hours worth of paid work within a year to your employer. Mm. You know, but you're, I mean, you're not actually paying that money back to your employer, and that's not money out of your pocket, but see your time as it's, being it's valuable. Free, it's, it's see time. that time as being valuable to yeah, you. Yeah, because, because your employer is like, wow, we just got an extra... 45 hours of man hours from this person yeah. that we didn't pay for. Didn't That's great. Because they didn't take the breaks, right? Yeah. So, and again, I'm, we're not trying to set up this like employee employer like battlefield dynamic. Mm -mm. Just again, value your time, yeah. value your own health and mental sanity enough. Take those breaks. Yeah, it we're, is we're just important. trying to show you the value in it. If, if you're yeah. like, I, I don't need the 15 minute, my brain's fine. Mm -hmm. There's other factors in play there. Mm -hmm. So that's all. Here's another habit that it, it, I'm going to shift a little bit away from the break stuff and a little bit more into like structuring patient interactions or mm. things like that. Um, one habit that I have tried to incorporate a lot into my career, and I don't know if I've done a good job of teaching all my students this, but um, I had an instructor who would always say at the end of your assessment in the morning. So th the first thing we do in our patient interactions generally is we do a head to toe assessment. We check vital signs. We'll do just like a mini physical on our patients um, to, you know, capture where they're at that morning. And she would always say she's like, before you leave the room, 
take a hot second and just ask your patients if there is one thing that you could do for them that day, mm. what would they want that to be? Mm. Because, you know, we get really caught up in our own in our own days and organizing all these tasks that we think we have to accomplish, which we do. We have timed meds and, and you know, like we've said, dressing changes and other tasks and things we have to do. But at the center of it all is our patients and we're supposed to be providing patient-centric care. And the hospital generally is a place where people lose a lot of autonomy and dignity. Mm -hmm. And I'm all about trying to find ways to bring that back into yeah. people's healthcare and try and make it personalized and individualized because that's what it should be. Um, and I, th I always thought that that was a great habit to get into because it gives a little bit of control back to our patients to just say, this is what's important to me today. Mm -hmm. Or this is the thing that like I've asked and asked and asked and nobody seems to be taken care of or finding out for me or, you know, whatever. Just like, I just, I just want a new toothbrush today. I just want someone to ask my doctor this. I just, I need to know when this is going to happen. Mm. Um, I, I want to know what this medication is doing for me or why I'm on it. Like, I want to have a shower today. What is it that's most important to that patient that day? And just asking that one question brings your care back to patient centricity yeah. and gives you something to help prioritize and organize your day as well and helps you build a relationship with that person. Yeah. You know, like nursing is very bizarre in that you like you walk into a room and you're supposed to instantly get to know this person mm -hmm. <laughs> and like have a very intimate relationship with them yeah. in some ways because you're just you're doing things that are very much in their physical space. So be purposeful and habitual about getting to know your patients and that's an easy habit to stack into something you're mm. already doing. That's you're, a really good one. You're already doing your assessment every morning before you leave the room. You know, ask them, what's one thing I could do for you today? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Mm -hmm. Another one that you taught me, um, because one of the things that we assess with our patients is neurological status, including their orientation. In nursing notes, you'll see things like alert and oriented times three. Well, that means oriented to time, person, and place. Mm -hmm. uh, well, one thing I always saw Dave do is when he was doing vital signs, he would take a look at the patient's name band and just get them to say their name and birthday to verify that we had the right name band on them, but also to be checking their orientation and ask them what the day is. And if you're like most hospitals, they probably have a whiteboard somewhere that we're supposed to write on. So ask them what the date is while you go and write it on the whiteboard. And then you've assessed their orientation at the same time as, yeah. you know, verifying that they've got the proper ID on mm -hmm. and filling out your whiteboard. Yeah. One of the things <laughs> I like to do in my assessments is, is, um, it's, it's very easy to go in and just start doing an assessment, listening to the chest, listening to their abdomen, their abdomen and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But your patient knows their body best. Mm -hmm. And so I get in the habit of, of having them tell me how they are. I'll ask them about their systems and I'll have them tell me how they are while I'm assessing them. Mm -hmm. Um, it, I find that it involves them in their care. Plus it lets me assess other things like their cognitive ability and are they on too many meds? Are they too drowsy and confused and stuff? Mm -hmm. If I can have a cognizant conversation with you about your own body, yep. it tells me a lot about where you're at. Plus then I understand more of like how in tune are you with your body? Mm -hmm. And can I trust you when you tell me this and this? Oh, the person actually knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Because uh, some people are out of tune with their body due to, you know, their conditioning or their meds and stuff like that. So it gives me a really big, better picture by involving them and in in having them tell me about their systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Plus it cuts down on my work. Yeah. Honestly. Like I can go in and be like, do you have a new cough? Uh, how are your bowels? You know, that kind of thing. And I know right away where their system, they're like, I just had a bowel the other day. Um, I do, or, or, or bowel movement today, this morning, yeah. I did actually start having some coughs last night. I don't really know why, mm -hmm. or my foot's really hurting me. So I know where to kind of focus in my assessment mm -hmm. and get a really good picture. Mm -hmm. Plus I find then that your patients feel like they're involved a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. Um, okay. Here's another habit that I had written down as well that will serve you well. Get into this habit. Stay current on your charting. Yeah. Stay current on your charting. If you mm -hmm. have not charted within the last half hour, there's probably something that you need to sit down and jot yeah. down into a chart. Now, if you're electronic charting like us, sometimes that's like really easy. It's just a couple ticky boxes, <laughs> done, done, done. But you've charted something and you don't, 
you don't have to like come back to that later. And I think that's a big one because a it's going to reduce your mental load during the day because you don't have to keep remembering these things. Um, it's or if you know if you start getting in the habit of delaying charting, what I see more and more nurses end up doing is then you write yourself little notes to remember mm. what you have to chart later. But then you're charting twice. Yeah, just you're charting actually. once for yourself, yeah. and then you're charting a second time legally. Yeah. Also, um, you. Well, at least what I notice for myself, like is, say if I have four patients in a morning, I might go and assess two back to back and then chart and then assess my other ones. I rarely will assess my entire team and then sit down to chart about all of them. Number one, you know, they'll always say, oh, that's not best practice, blah, blah, blah. You should always, you know, do the thing and chart it immediately. And sometimes that's not the most effective or efficient way to structure your day. But the fact of the matter is the longer you put off charting, the longer that charting will take because you yeah. have to think back harder to remember the things and or you might be like I feel like I checked this I asked this whatever and I don't remember it and you're going to have to go back in the room and check again like you're just adding cumulative time to your day so staying current on your charting doesn't just like it's not just oh that's you know the best thing that everybody tells you to do about keeping your charting current and accurate it actually saves you time with charting because Mm -hmm. if you put off charting by a couple hours that charting will take longer cumulatively than if you just like did it in little spurts along the way. Yeah. I promise you. Yeah. So that is a really important. And again, that will also help with things like going home on time and taking your breaks on time because you're not being like, Oh, I want to go for my break, but I really need to chart all these things. It's, it's one of those other things that that's important to tell to when you're interacting with your patients, be like, actually, I still have a whole lot of paperwork I have to do. I'll come back and talk to you in a little bit. Sorry. I was just making sure our son wasn't awake. It's, It's a movie downstairs that I'm hearing. Oh, well, if, you, if you're hearing anything in the mics, then sorry, there's a movie downstairs. No, it's, not the, it's not the mics. It's the head. It's outside them. Anyways, do you hear it too? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Anyways. Uh, sorry oh, the, the joys of having to record a podcast in an active household. An active household. Um, yeah, it goes back to talking about t- telling your patients, like having boundaries be like, I will come back. I actually have a lot of paperwork to do, which is, is just... What would you say our charting is? Well, our charting is like the most important thing that we do legally. Yes. But I would say it's probably accounts for 30% of our workday. Probably at least. I mean, there's the old idiom that they drill into you in nursing school that if it's not charted, it wasn't done. Which is actually the exact opposite of what our college states. Yes. So, but... uh, I mean, charting is important. You do need to make time for it during the day. Mm -hmm. Make small little appointments if you will for yeah. yourself during your day to chart to stay on top of it yeah. so that you don't have to end up with a big mass appointment yeah. that keeps you from taking your breaks or going home on time or yeah. getting to your patients when they're ringing and stuff and and can i put this on there mm-hmm. don't take a working break yeah no that's an important don't go one into that the back of, room to chart yeah be like well i'm on my break but i'm sitting here charting no, like that's not a break you're not recovering you're recovering brain cells not at all there are days and that's gonna happen make that the exception not the rule make that the exception not the habit yeah i think that's the thing here that we're talking about too is the habits that we're talking about having or not having um they're not hard and fast every day is different some days are just absolute crap shoots and you're just running for 12 hours and so you need to take an hour at the end of the day to chart that's just the way it is sometimes Mm -hmm. right but you want those days to be the exceptions yeah. Yep. Good. Good words. Any um, other habits? A one, one that I had said, this is one that served me well personally. Maybe, I mean, people's brains work differently and whatnot. Um, something that helps me stay organized and whatnot on my day is getting in the habit of setting a timer for things. Mm-hmm. Like if I have two IV meds that I have to give back to back and one runs over 15 minutes and then one runs over half an hour, well, I'll hang one and set a timer on my watch yeah. so that it beeps and I remember just go in. Yeah, and yeah. do that next medication. Or if I, t- if I say to a patient, I'm going to set this up and I'm going to be back in 10 minutes, you know, to check on you again or something, I'm going to go do something else. But I yeah. definitely have that reminder because it's easy to get carried away by the chaos of a day. And, and, and the patient remembers back. that you didn't come back to them. Exactly. And also they're just, they're sitting, you're thinking of the, all the tasks you have to do for all your other patients. They're there and they're like, well, this is, everything that's happening for me Mm -hmm. so of course that's what they're thinking about reasonably so and they're like you didn't come back you didn't come back you didn't do this thing yeah right so that's a big one for me and i also get in for me i i work well by visual cues 
Um, so if I need to remember something, I get in the habit of writing it down somewhere that I see it during the day. You'll see my desk during the day is like covered with post-it notes. Yeah. Post-it notes are great. Post-it notes are so post-it great. Post-it notes on your monitor to remind yep. yourself that, oh, you still have this task to do. Yep. I find them especially useful if I'm having a busy night because yep. I'm more tired and my brain's not functioning. Yeah. It's like actually at six o'clock, I have these extra things to do, not just meds and whatnot. I find that those helpful. And I know we just said don't write yourself notes to chart about later because then you have to chart twice. We're yeah. talking more about like remembering tasks and things that yeah, you have yeah. to do. Like, oh, I need to call this doctor back about this thing, but they're busy right now. It's non-urgent. Don't forget to call them at some yeah. point. You know? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something. I can't remember. Got another. I was only semi-actively listening. I apologize. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. I've done that to you a it's couple a- times this podcast already too. <laughs> 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 Honesty hour. The drink's really kicking in. <laughs> what is Kahlua? Is it? Uh, it's a coffee liqueur. No, I know, but what percentage? I don't know. It's probably within the liqueur range of like 20 to 40%, oh, right? right? Yeah, so it was a pretty good pour. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. It's a Dave pour. Yeah. Never let Dave bartend for you. Number one, it'll be more expensive. Number two, you'll get drunk so quick. <laughs> if you're not paying for it, let Dave bartend uh, for you because <laughs> it's a better time faster. <laughs> This is a little aside. This one time, one of our coworkers got married and they had a very small wedding and I managed to like weasel my way into being part of the day by offering to bartend at their reception. But then Dave showed up and may have gotten the maid of honor quite tipsy before her speech. (laughs) That did happen. We apologize. We won't name names. I'm not apologizing. It was great. (laughs) Hopefully it was a good time had by all. It it, It was a good night. I enjoyed that. Nothing went off the rails. Everybody yeah. was just having a good time. That's my version of wedding crashing. I offer to do things so that I can be there without having to be a guest that somebody pays for. Because <laughs> that's just rude to show up and force someone to pay for you. But I'll show up and do things for you. <laughs> okay. So we've Sorry. talked about habits Ooh. at work. Yep. What about habits outside of work to keep your uh, to keep yourself fresh for work? Mm, that's a really good one. I like that. So what are some habits that you have built into your life as a nurse that serve you in your career? The, I would say, um, the biggest one for me is in between my night shifts. So we work two days, two nights in between my night shifts means that I've worked all night long. I've come home at seven and I have to go back to work at seven and be up all night again. So essentially the daytime between my night shifts at 12 hours is my nighttime. It's my time to go to sleep and stuff. Mm-hmm. I won't book appointments. Mm-hmm. It, was, it would be like if somebody on a nine to five job booked an appointment for 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. It makes no sense As to do that. As opposed to 3 a.m. at night or 3 a.m. in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> I was like 3 a.m. at night is no, the same just, as 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Anyways, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it makes absolutely no sense to do that. So yeah. for for me, my habit is between my night shifts, there's there's no Nothing. appointments, and usually it's actually on either side before a night shift or after the night shifts. There's no appointments. You're too tired. You want to just rest and recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, you haven't even slept the best in between, and so you're you're up for what forty eight hours with a bit of like sleeps here and there, but not like good quality sleeps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're trying to recover from it. So however you want to recover and stuff, that's fine. But I, in my mind, making appointments, unless with the way that the world is right now, sometimes those are the only dates you can make appointments and that is what it is. But if you have a choice, don't make that the choice. Yeah. Don't make that the choice. Understand you're working on nights. It's hard on your system. Yeah. You need to recover. Don't put things there that will affect your recovery. And that's even being social. Like don't like... You don't need to be waking up after four hours during between night shifts and going to a party. You can if you want, especially if you're in your 20s and you have the energy, but it (laughs) does get harder and harder. And it's better to get in the habit of your night shifts are just blanks on the calendar, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, again, we operate on a schedule of we rotate through two days, two nights, and then have days off. Mm -hmm. Some people will only do days, we'll only do nights, yeah. et cetera, in between the days off. But yeah, I agree. Just protecting that that sleep time and rest time and recovery around your night shifts and not overscheduling yourself. That, I think that's another good habit to get into is not overscheduling yourself. And Dave's going to snicker over here because I am the worst for that. The worst. I am the worst. I'm getting better at doing less. Um, one 
piece of advice that I got recently that has really been helping me. And I'm going to plug a podcast that I love right now. It's called Finding Greatness. by It's um, hosted by Ariane Jones and Paige Lawrence Champion, who are both um, former Canadian Olympians. They're, it's a fantastic podcast. I highly recommend it. But they did a whole episode on not overscheduling yourself mm. and how that benefits your health and how to go about doing it. And one of the things that they said is, you know, if something's not a hell yes then it's a no. You know, like if you're someone who always overschedules yourself and you're looking at your days off and your limited time to recover for your shifts, which are hard, they're hard days. They're long days. You work hard as a nurse. If something's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Mm. Um, and give yourself the freedom to do that. And also recognize, and this was another point that they made that I thought was fantastic. So go and listen to this episode. Um, again, Finding we'll, Greatness we'll podcast. We'll try to link to it. Yeah. Um, also, if... Um, if you're saying yes to something, what else are you saying no to? Mm. And if you get in the habit of constantly saying no to your own rest and recovery, that will bite you. You mm. can do that for so long per se, like especially if you're in your 20s and you have that kind of energy, great. But if you make that the habit that you're constantly saying no to your own rest and recovery by saying yes to other things, that will bite you. And that will hurt you in the long run in your career. Hmm. And your ability to keep doing this job, which is a great job, but it's a hard job. Yeah. You know, like it does demand a lot of you. Yeah. Yeah. So two tidbits from an episode of that podcast mm. that I love. That's good. Yeah. I think so too. Okay. Here's another one that I'm going to, I'm going to come to. Which is, we'll, we'll maybe make this our last one. I'm sure there's a lot more nursing habits, okay. but Julia's scheduled an appointment. So. <laughs> Like this our last one. Okay, so you know it was the only time that would work. So of course it is, but I'm just I gonna say to we'll we'll cut this one off. We'll cut this one off to give yourself you enough time to get ready for your Excellent. next appointment. Thank you so much. So the last one I'm gonna say this is a very base physical need. Get in the habit of addressing it is hydrate. Hydrate yeah. during your nursing day. It is a 12-hour day. It is a marathon. If you're running a marathon, they have water stations along the way where you hydrate. And guess what? During your nursing day, you need to hydrate. They have done um, studies that weren't necessarily even within healthcare, but I think they did one for like drivers in the UK where they talked about even a 1% to 2% dehydration in an adult showed significant cognitive impacts in like reaction time with driving mm. and ability to make decisions in wow. traffic. You got to know that that plays into a nursing day. Cause yeah. again, we talked earlier about how many decisions you make during a day. If you get dehydrated, you are shooting yourself in the foot in terms of your functionality mm -hmm. and your ability to get through the day without feeling like just feeling good. And now, it does, so th this ties into one of those things that nurses don't like to do. We don't like to go to the washroom. Mm -hmm. We would rather suffer with a full bladder and do suffer our patients than go to the washroom. So maybe we don't hydrate as much as we should because it takes us off the floor some. Yeah. But at the same time, the minute that you're in the washroom, take us a little breather, do a little meditation, take a couple of deep breaths, recenter, then get back to it. You'll be much better for it. You will. And if you find a way to incorporate, like have a glass of water every hour or two on, during your day, I promise you, you will see the benefits. Mm -hmm. You gloriously dehydrated, beautiful human, drink your water. And I have two coworkers who started this little water club between themselves that I latched onto or leached onto, I should say. But I am so grateful to them because every time I work with them, they hold me accountable for drinking water and it makes a difference in my day. I notice it. You know, a lot of times, like, I feel like, oh, by the mid-afternoon, I'm dragging. I'm like, oh, I need another coffee or something. Or people will reach for, like, the Red Bull or the mm -hmm. Monster Energy drink or whatever. Have a glass of water first. Mm -hmm. See what a difference it, it makes in your day. Yeah, it really is important. Yeah. So have a, I don't know, have a special water bottle that you, you know, you step off to grab and drink from. Or if you're going to grab a glass of water for a patient, drink one yourself quickly while you're there. You know, mm -hmm. like, s find ways to put water into hydration into your day I'm trying to think if i have one last little habit well i was gonna just say a few things maybe about how to build new habits oh sure yeah go ahead yeah. You, you close this out okay i'll close this out that way i got, I got so. nothing else that i was i had so you go right ahead there's a lot of people who have written good books and things about how to make new habits part of your life i'm not going to try and encapsulate their work in just a few quick minutes i do really recommend the book atomic habits um james clear it's a good read. Um, but just a few ways, if you're listening to this and something's captured your attention, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should start doing that. Or 
it's brought up something else in your mind that you're like, I really want to start making that part of my day, but it's not right now. Here are just a few little things to think about to build new habits or solidify habits into your career. So create cues for yourself in your environment, in your day or whatever that remind you to do things. Like I said about like having a water bottle that you're like, oh yeah, that's what I need to remember to drink. That's what I'm going to drink out of. Um, And also habit stack. So tie in a new habit that you want with something that you're already doing. And I'll give you a little, uh, just a case in point for this. One thing that I had trouble with at the beginning of my career is uh, we have a policy around um, unused peripheral IVs that they get flushed at a regular basis. And I kept forgetting to do that in my day for my patients who had, you know, saline locked IVs that we weren't using, but they were still in situ. They were still sitting in a vein. So I just started throwing a whole ton of saline flushes in my pockets with my 10 o'clock meds. And then at 10 o'clock, I always knew I went and around to all my patients. And if they weren't running an IV, I was flushing their IV and assessing it, making sure that it was still working or if it needed to come out, it came out. But that was a way that I remembered to do that thing. And I got in that habit of doing it every day at 10 o'clock with my medication rounds by stack it on to something I was already doing, which was meds. Meds are scheduled at 10 for most patients. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a new habit that you want to start, figure out something that you're already doing in your day and tie it in with that. Mm-hmm. And if you have to write it on your hand to remember it, do that. You know, do something that will help you remember to stack that together. Um, Another tip, don't try and do too many new habits at once. Pick one or two things. Give it six weeks. Get it ingrained in your system. Then move on to adding something new. Mm -hmm. Very important. Don't try and do too many new things at once. New Year's is here and everybody's going to try and do all the things to, you know, improve their life or their practice or whatever. Don't get carried away. Pick one or two things and do it well. Yeah. And lastly, have grace for yourself <laughs> about building new habits. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes repetition. It takes consistency more than anything. Mm-hmm. Have some grace for yourself if you mess up along the way. Yep. Anything else to say about building new habits, Dave? Nope. But I just wanted to say congratulations on your new job that you'll be starting. Oh, thank you so much. So, um, this is something that goes against <laughs> the, um, the nature of our podcast because I am actually not going to be in oncology nurse in the new year i'm going to be working on a palliative unit. well our podcast is like 24 gauge because we're oncology nurses but yeah. it's more just nurses having because we're not doing an oncology podcast True. we're just doing a nursing we're doing really True. more a nursing couple nursing podcast so you'll just have a different perspective i will have a different perspective it's a different part on the spectrum of care like she's actually the she's doing the job she does now which is the patient care coordinator but on a different unit that which is, is still specialty. which is still very much tied into oncology. There is a lot of ebb and flow between the two units, between oncology and palliative. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, they're along the spectrum together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that she won't be involved in oncology. She'll just uh, she'll be involved in palliative, obviously first and foremost. But she'll be involved in oncology from a different part of the spectrum. Yeah. So there you go. I've taken a new job. It's a big step. I have never not been an oncology nurse in my career. Mm-hmm. It's so, the first time we wouldn't have worked together. And it will be the first time we haven't worked together. Yeah. Boo-hoo. So, big change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave's sad. I am. I won't have anybody there to make excuses for me and my behavior anymore. <laughs> to try and build you up to our coworkers and be like, Dave's really a nice guy. <laughs> don't take don't take the resting B face. <laughs> it's so funny. Julia, like Julia, I'm the cursor in her family and Julia's like on the podcast. She's like struggling not to. It's so awesome. True. You have rubbed off on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On my was... mouth. Ah, yeah. I, I promise you, I did I did not swear. <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard at this? Rubbed off on you in your mouth. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, ooh, flushing over here. I did not mean it like that. Anyway, <laughs> <clears throat> I didn't swear before I started nursing, and I have nursing school friends who can attest to this. I would not swear, and like my so, first year. So by the end of my by the end of my nursing student career, and uh, you know, within the first two years of practice, is where my foul because, mouth developed. And that's because you were with me. Yep, pretty <laughs> much. So I'm sorry, mom. I swear a lot. Yeah, no, you don't. You don't swear a lot, but you do swear more. (laughs) I swear a lot. (laughs) All right, so we should wrap it up there. We're totally devolving here. Goodness gracious! (laughs) Takeaways. What's a one key takeaway 
Take your here. breaks. Take your breaks is what Dave says. If you can do anything else, take your break. Here's the thing. I think taking your breaks is, is one of the most fundamentally important habits you can take, you can build as a nurse. If you learn to take your breaks and take them regularly, mm-hmm. it means that you are building so much other organization into your day. True. It's yeah. not just about taking your breaks. It's about being organized. And if you can be an organized nurse, you're a good nurse. Yeah. So taking your breaks is a big is uh, uh, easy and like a tongue in cheek way of saying, you know, learn your organization and your breaks force you to be organized. Yeah. All right. Make that a habit and part of your nursing career. Yeah. And my takeaway, hmm, what would I say? You know, there's that quote, um, you know, like you make your choices and then they turn around and make you. Mm-hmm. And they always say that in like high school during drug talks or stuff sure. like that, right? That sounds really right. But I think that's very true for the habits you create as a nurse. You choose to make the habits that become part of your day and then those habits define you as a nurse. So choose good habits and be proactive about making them because they will make you a good nurse and they will make it easier on yourself to be a good nurse. So there you go. Hopefully that's some encouragement for you in your new year, whether you are setting resolutions or not build some, build one or two new habits into your nursing career that will serve you well. So we don't have an outro yet, and we forgot to do this partway through the show, but don't forget to follow us and like us on Please all the like socials. Please like and subscribe. Um, and leave reviews. You we can really find love us at, those. You can find us at www.the24gpodcast.com. Yes. As well as on Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, all the places that you listen to your podcasts. Um, and we'll actually try to start adding some stuff to our website. Like tonight, this time I want to add some show notes for episode three for the books that Julia was talking about mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And the podcast so, that I referenced. Yeah. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We'll see you next week. Oh, and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy new year, everyone from both of us at the 24 gauge podcast. See ya. Bye.